Good evening, and welcome to the Television Graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out what ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This will be a podcast in which we analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, including some that ran only one episode. This month is Spoopy Month, and this is the first Fifth Monday. So we are going to do something a little special. With me, usually, is TV's Noah Houlihan. I'm not a very good undertaker. And with me, unusually... Are the Party of One podcasts, Jeff Stormer and producer Jen Frank. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. And I, as always, am Laura Prince. So today, we covered the creepypasta lore Crybaby Lane, which was long presumed lost, but originally aired in the year 2000 on the Saturday before Halloween, and uh, didn't resurface until 2011. Yes, this is our first time where we have a fifth Monday, so instead of doing a a canceled season or something like that, we're kind of doing a lost media thing. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. I'm into that. I'm into that. Something that that has been lost and and stored away, but not far enough from this here shovel for me to unearth it here and present it to... Everyone here, we had to, we needed more people because we had to do a seance. We all, yeah, we had to do a seance. We all grabbed hands and we lit a, a, a candle, a strawberry oh, scented candle. candle and brought about Cry Baby Lane. I dumped some spooky sounds over my summer jams mix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so we decided that for a fifth Monday of the month, we wanted to go somewhere a little bit more unorthodox. And so we went with something that followed the spooky theme. But didn't necessarily hit that, uh, you know, that one season. Yes. This was not meant to ever be more than what it was. But they probably thought they were going to get more than one airing out of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah like an annual <laughs> Halloween thing. They definitely yeah. thought they were getting more than one out of it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we watched it literally moments ago. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yep. Usually we have a day or two between when we stop watching a show and when we record. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was actually doing the research beforehand this time, which is unusual. Yeah, so, so you went, you didn't go in blind like usual, uh, and uh, oh boy, yeah, uh, this, uh... lots to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast will probably be longer than the film because uh, I have a lot of feelings, and the film's only seventy minutes long, and we've had like a lot of podcasts longer than that. I have a yeah. lot of stuff to say. All right, well. Let's let's start with the old recap. Let's do it. What went down here? Okay, so we started in a flashback se- uh, sequence, which is presented in the most uh, general, nothing is scarier terms. Like, we kind of don't see anything, but we hear the story over disturbing imagery. Yeah, all we sep- see All sepia, sepia tone, tone is what I would like to have yes. emphasized yes. here. Yes, a sepia tone storytelling. Uh, done by, what was the name of this actor? Frank Langella. Uh, Skeletor from the Masters of the Universe movie. What? Uh, Richard Nixon from Frost Nixon. Oh! 
I uh, get to do Skeletor and Nixon impressions throughout the was, rest of this podcast. Jeff, you've killed also us all. in that. He was also in a movie a few years ago where he befriends a robot, and I don't remember the name of the oh, film, but it oh, was very charming. Oh, uh, Chappie? No, no, it wasn't Chappie. Oh, it wasn't Chappie. real steel. It was no, not real no. steel. The Iron Giant. Why is it called Bob? Honestly, <laughs> it had the name that was real, like one word. Yeah, Chappie. It, it, no, it was, Chappie. Ro- it was called Robot and Frank. Rank Robot and Frank. <laughs> yeah, he, he he like befriends a robot. He's yeah, he's Isn't a staple. It, he's of, Frank. Robots, robot. He's a staple of America. Of like, he's like a, an accomplished like Shakespearean actor, and is much better than he's Skeletor. <laughs> Yeah, dumb poops. I am not a crook. <laughs> he was also Perry White in uh, Superman Returns. I was he I really? Don't, I don't I remember that. I don't remember. I figured you would just be like, Kent, get me the front page. Pictures of Spider Man. Jesus, man. Yep, that's this is the whole podcast now. Get ready. <laughs> so. We, we get the story, and the story is basically... Actually, what folds in is uh, Nickelodeon wanted a bigger name than the director's original choice, and that's how they got Frank Langella, which I kind of want to make fun of, because we've just spent the last two minutes making fun of Frank Langella. So that wasn't the first choice? No, uh, the original first choice was Tom Waits. Oh, that would have been... That would have actually been really good, because it opens with him telling a creepy story, and Tom Waits has a great creepy story voice. Who's Tom Waits? Is like a folk musician, like a very famous folk musician. Okay. Sort of noted and famous for having one of those, like, folky Very voices. deep, gravelly. Yeah. Big among the tween. Probably, yeah. Pretty good among the snick crowd. Yeah, I mean, no bigger than, you know, Franklin Jones. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Of a, similar, of a similar kind of, like, could play a creepy old man. Okay. So. Who's uh, on the Shrek 2 soundtrack? Uh, Skeletor tells a story about how uh, there's these two conjoined children. I'm not going to do it the whole time. Oh, thank uh, God. And one was evil. The other was <laughs> That's that, And that brings us to the first, like, issue I have is in the story, it's uh, they're, they're conjoined twins. As they grew, it became clear that one was good and one was evil. Sure, we don't know why. The right, well, it's because the right twin is always the evil twin. Is what is established is an established thing of evil twins. But like, they're not allowed to leave the house. So like, and they're conjoined. So they're like, stuck up in the attic. One of them yeah. was kind of a jerk sometimes. Yeah. Maybe like, if just one of them's like, I want to, you know, plant trees. The other I one's like, I want to stab the dog. Like what? What is happening in this situation? Yeah, like, we don't really know what makes the good twin good and the evil twin evil at this point. And then they get sick and die. Like, it just... Because they share a liver. Not because they share, you know, a body. Yeah. Mm. They share a liver. So they both became ill. So they cut the baby in half. And, uh... They bury bury them in different graves. They They bury the good twin in the cemetery. And they bury the bad twin out in the yard. Out of Crybaby Lane. Yeah, and the wording here is very strange. It is. Mm-hmm. It's, it was cried, they buried him down in Crybaby Lane. They call it that because you can hear the cries of the child, the evil child who wants revenge. Well then, why was it called Crybaby Lane when you buried the child there? Oh. Like, they definitely made it seem they, they, like... The wording was real weird. There was a logical loop there. 
And he's like, oh, this is the baby that gets buried here. Because the legend. That's right. <laughs> so this is so the, was it also implied that the house on Crybaby Lane was their house that they yeah. grew up in? They buried him like out in the yard. They're right out in their front yard. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. you want to keep the evil one close. <laughs> so uh, we then faded on Frank Langella, who plays an undertaker, telling a... 12-year-old and I guess maybe like a 15-year-old? Yeah, something like that. This <laughs> spooky story. And then we get to like a real horror moment of like, oh, this old man's just, you know, entertaining these two. And the wording is very confusing. Yeah, the wording is very Because it's like... I know what that road is. It's uh, out by Portage, right? An undertaker lives a life of intrigue, boys. One foot in this world, another in the grave. The things I've seen. Excellent. It's getting late. Oh, is it? It seems early. I don't sleep much. I never have. You know, the average person swallows five spiders a year in his sleep. It's a fact. Uncle Ben? How's Mr. Bulmer? I finished with his shampoo and rinse, but I still have to dry and set. And ream out the suction tubes. Oh, right. It's really getting late. It's more coffee. Uh, it's getting tired. I never sleep. <laughs> Do you want more coffee? Let me get you more drinks. Let me tell you, an undertaker keeps one foot in the grave at all times. Have some coffee. <laughs> it's getting late. It's not late. I thought it was early. Yeah. <laughs> Meet my friend, the taxidermist. No, he's the taxidermist. He yeah, and that's the next thing we got to talk about is... Undertaker and taxidermist probably shouldn't be the same dude. Yeah, it's very strange that The Undertaker would be a taxidermist. And it's, I know, like, just that alone, there's nothing wrong with it, but you make a logical jump. Like, if someone was like, yo, I make balloon animals and condoms. Like, whoa. <laughs> you, shouldn't, you shouldn't pick one of those. Also, like, if the taxidermy had ended up being, like, a checkoff skill... Yeah, if it didn't come up. It felt like it was there and they never really if, used it for it. It felt like they don't understand what an undertaker does. Because like they kept being they kept implying that he was a taxidermist because it was his job to make the dead bodies presentable. <laughs> Which but is that's, a mortician. That's a mortician. That's right. not a tax that's neither an undertaker <laughs> nor a taxidermist. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> yeah. He's not even like good at his job. Uh, I had I didn't even realize how ridiculous this was. He was neither thing. Uh, and he says, he, there is a line where he says, I'm not a very good undertaker, we'll get to. But the, the truth of the matter is, that wasn't his job. Yeah, yeah. he was not an, he was not, he was, in fact, I believe he contracts an undertaker later in the film. Gary? This yeah, I believe dumb. Gary does the job of an undertaker. Alright, so, we're already massively misinformed. Uh, the kids head home, and uh, Andrew, who will be our, our lead, uh, has a nightmare about this story. Oh no, ain't it great to be crazy? <laughs> yeah, we're not. We're back, way in Nightmare Ned territory here. I actually kind of thought that's how this was going to end. Was him just like, <gasps> it's all a dream. And I would have thrown something at the television. But there's this very odd shot where we watch him get out of bed and then we're, we're shooting down a hallway and we see him talking to his parents, but we don't see the parents right away. And at first I was like, this is a cool stylistic choice that we'll never see the parents. Mm-hmm. That's, oh wait, there. That would have been very true to there like... they are. It would have been very true to what 
like, and this is a thing that I'm going to talk a lot about as we talk about this, is that, like, the movie clearly owes a lot of debt to, like, the kids on bikes genre, your it's, your yeah. other Stand by me. Stand by me's, yeah. your it's, those things. Mm-hmm. It owes a lot to those movies, but, like, and in those movies, like, the parents are either always absent or they're sort of, like, nebulous. Yeah. Like, or the villain. Yeah. Or they the show vi- up and be like, yeah. ooh, get home, I have a belt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, like, this movie, like, it owes a lot to those movies without really understanding how those movies work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just hadn't seen one of them. They think that they're inventing this genre. Yeah, in my notes, I'm like, oh, it's proto-Stranger Things. Sad, crappy, early 2000 yeah. Stranger Things. Yeah. Jen, you had a great observation about the way that they were shooting this house that made it look very tiny. It just felt like, I don't know how it was actually filmed, if it was on a studio or an actual house, but it felt like they were shooting in a, just a very small house, mm-hmm. and that made so many of the interior camera angles just yeah. very odd. There were times you could tell the camera slanted and like just kind of sat on top on of a store, on a on like a stairwell. In the stairwell. Yeah. And you had, and because you had also mentioned that like every room in the house, I like I, I started commenting that it looked like they were filming in like a tiny house, you know, like tiny house hunters. Yeah, because everything feels like it's just jammed in my in a way that if you're in like a, like a studio lot, like it won't feel that right. Way. Well, my thought with that is, like, we kind of set up that Andrew's uh, mother is smothering. Like, maybe this idea that, like, the house feels very small could be. most of what he knows. Ooh. But that feels, like, too smart. That yeah. feels like it's going to too much I, have, I, have, I actually yeah. have another theory. Uh, this is the house they could afford to film exactly. in. Exactly. Yeah. That's the problem. Uh, I majored in English, so uh, I spent a lot of time spinning, uh, te- like, spinning the situation into something that sounded good. Yeah, okay. We I, did a photo project on Hamlet, and it was sunny out, so I wore sunglasses, and that was because Hamlet's veiled intent. Because uh, the eyes, the windows, the soul. Really, it's because I'm a daywalker who doesn't like to go outside. Yeah, see, I majored in pessimism, <laughs> and I was like, oh, they probably just couldn't afford a real set. That's probably what it is. I majored in tiny house decor, <laughs> so I'm able to spot a tiny house from a great distance. <laughs> which is which is really a good skill because they're very small and hard to spot. Yeah, you would have been really helpful at the climax of the movie to find the house. I would have been. Would have really been. So uh, he has this nightmare, which gets his brother in trouble because man, I don't like. That Mr. Bennett. I don't want you kids going there. <laughs> and his mom's coughing in this scene only. She's real specifically coughing. and Which like... I thought, like, usually that means, like, mom is... I was like, oh, that's how they're going to keep mom out of the plot. Yes. Mom? What's the matter, Andrew? I had a nightmare. Oh, honey. You're not sleeping in here. probably embody in some of the like the horror elements is like oh we're dealing with like a sick mom like we're dealing with family stresses because usually in this type of movie what happens is you're introduced to a like going back to the idea that it owes a lot to movies and doesn't understand them usually what happens is you introduce a character's family stress like an abusive parent or a sick parent and then that becomes the horror thing that a child is facing right so by overcoming this they overcome the thing 
they introduce a lot of like weird family dynamics mm-hmm. that go nowhere. No, it goes absolutely nowhere. And the one thing that bugged me about this whole thing was they make it explicitly clear that the mother knows about this Undertaker that the kids go see. Yeah. Because yes, I, yeah. I just assumed that it was going to be like, oh, the, no parent mm-hmm. knows that their kids are seeing this old man. But, but no, she's like, stop it. Stop, <laughs> stop I don't going, going, going there anymore. <laughs> yeah, her coughing, since it never came back up, uh, I kind of fell where you did, and I'm like, oh, they couldn't afford to delay shooting another day while yeah. she got they over couldn't reshoot it. <laughs> it was very dusty this in was the her tiny best, house. This was her best take. <laughs> so, uh. And then we see the first of, like, too many scenes of the 12 year old protagonist not wearing a lot of clothing. Yes. There's an uncomfortable amount of nudity in this movie. So the kid is in the shower. His brother is uh, is sitting fully clothed on the toilet directly outside of the shower. Just staring at him. Flushing the toilet to get his attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then they go into the bedroom. Yes. At which point we learn that the reason that the brother has been taking, that they, Carl, because Carl has been taking Andrew to go to this Undertaker, is because Carl is a giant professional wrestling fan with posters of The The Undertaker Undertaker. (laughs) on the wall. So this child has heard there's an Undertaker in town and assumes he is a lightning shooting wizard (laughs) who at this time would have been leading the ministry. The Ministry ministry. of Darkness at this time. No, I think this is after... That would have been 99, so this would have been like right after the corporate ministry. This would have been him teaming with the big show? sure we're there yet. Well, wait. 2001, so that's after the invasion, so... When was this movie actually shot? But when was it shot? Yeah, yeah. He was he's prob- probably corporate ministry. Yeah, yeah he's probably great. straight up abducting and crucifying people <laughs> at this point while it's being filmed. So, so, but Carl's kind of a jerk, so he's into that. Uh, and, well, he, did you see him? Did you see what he did to Stephanie McMahon? And the fact that Carl just bullies his younger brother by... Performing drop toe holds to him and yeah. putting Which him in Which does turn out to be a checkoff skill. It, it does. does. That yeah. comes back later. But the, he said something that we have to play where it's like, you know? Life is like wrestling. You can go toe to toe for the heavyweight title. Mm. Or you can squat in the cheap seats with the brats and the grannies. Mm. Well, it's like, one, that's not life. And two, that's not professional wrestling. What are you talking about? I digress. Also, I wanted it noted that, like, I wanted it noted that he specifically put him in a drop toe hold, and then it looked like put him in a cross face, and I was like, ooh, that's unfortunate. Ooh, that's probably <laughs> right when Benoit was getting real big. Uh, yeah. But then, well, basically, this is all happening to uh, show that there's dissension between the brothers. Because the brothers are getting in trouble, or the older brother got in trouble for taking him to the the Undertaker. I don't know if maybe it's because we're older, but I really hated the little kid. Like, the 12-year-old. I hated all these people. I wasn't given a lot of reasons, which is another another thing, is is Mm -hmm. these movies give you reasons to relate to and care about the characters, and this movie sort of glosses over that. It glosses over the relationships, it glosses over the traits. All we know about, and, like... Andrew was a lot like Nightmare Ned to me, where he was, like, kind of a snotty little coward mm-hmm. who ran to mommy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't really like Andrew. 
So, well, we do see his one friend, Hall. We do. Yeah. Who but is a nine-year-old. Who's yep. a nine-year-old to hang out in the Hobbit hole. And, uh... <laughs> but you might have to explain what that is. It's a Hobbit hole. <laughs> it's a little treehouse marked Hobbit hole. Like, literally. And they the flash in and they're LARPing Lord of the Rings, except oh, yeah. Andrew is wearing a helmet. A football helmet. Yes. And, and this is, like, super angry nerd I'm actually talking mm-hmm. He is quoting <laughs> Tolkien yep. and swinging a lightsaber. How infuriating is that? Which is very nine-year-old. Like that it is very is. much. I like, thought that was very <clears throat> relatable, honestly. Yeah. As a as a lower class as a lower class nerdy child, that was extremely like my experience. Also, I want to point out that like based on what I know about Noah's childhood, uh, the Ninja Turtles weren't really professional wrestlers, and neither was every superhero. And you made them all a wrestling fed. So, like, crossovers are fair game for kids. No! (laughs) Why would he He has perfect knight armor that he's wearing. And he's quoting Tolkien. And he's like, this sword's fine. No, it wouldn't be! He built a hobbit hole! He's nine! You don't think he would have won out and went to gotten the fall... His parents got him a sword because it's what because like it, this is the child that is like the nerdy. The lightsaber is cool or it glows. Yeah, and like based I walked on, away. But, and like based on the time period this took place in, like the twentieth anniversary editions of Star Wars just came out. Yeah, no, I was totally on board with him having yeah. and like, yeah. like and like Andrew having a football helmet and just puffy jacket. Like it was very much this is just the stuff our parents got us for Christmas because they don't fully understand what we're into. Because, like, that, the, the knight armor that he had wasn't, like, Tolkienian knight armor. And, and, like, Laura pointed out, this would have been when, Laura, when, like, the first Fellowship was coming out. So, like, that armor would have been available had the parents known that what he was into was Lord of the Rings. But, the, like, but like that's such a... It was, I, I felt it was very, like... And my on, thought is, like, old Halloween costume. Like, yeah, oh, was he exactly. Lancelot last it was year just, on Halloween. It was just the parents said... whatever they had lying around that they wanted to play with. Yeah, it just that's was the all. parents yeah, like, said, like, oh, he likes fantasy. Let's get him... Uh, oh, he likes fantasy Star Wars. Fine. It's, yeah, like, I'm sure there's a ton of pictures of me as a child in, like, increasingly ridiculous get-ups that are like, here's, you know, Princess Leia's dress... But with, you know, Princess Belle's tiara, or, you know what I mean? Like, you just cobble together your own little outfits. And, 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 you know, if the, I think if the parents, if we hadn't seen so much of Andrew's parents, I think this would have, that would have been, like, I think I would have been even more on board with, like, the, the slapdash costumes. Because I think that's part of it is also feels very true to the kids on bike genre is, like, the parents don't know what the kids are about, so they've just given them a bunch of random toys and said, go have fun, because the parents are a nebulous, un- 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 incomprehensible force that doesn't understand what's really going on with the kids' lives. I think that the lightsaber was cheaper at the dollar store when the guy ran for props. That's what I think. <laughs> That's probably true. I think that might have been that real child actor's lightsaber. He might have just brought his own stuff. He might have just said, come come with whatever you got, kid. Kid, you got eight lines. So, um, then we find out that, like, we see uh, uh, Carl and Andrew are planning a prank on some girls they know. Mm-hmm. And uh, we find 
a, they, the grave that they're, they have rigged up. They're going to retell the ghost story to these girls. Mm-hmm. And Carl hides his Walkman with Megabase. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, the grave says that the children died in, ni- the child died in 1969, which is pretty recent. For Seppia Town. For Seppia Town, yeah. And we were all like, we were all like, oh, that child died in like the 1800s. <laughs> it's also like pretty recent to be just chopping up kids. It's also pretty recent to yeah. just look at a child and go, oh, that's the, that's the evil twin. <laughs> yeah, like, it seems a little far-fetched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like some 17th, 18th century, like. No. Honey, the twins died. Get me my bone saw. We're only burying the good one in the nice plot. What? <laughs> that one's the, the evil twin. <laughs> What's the difference? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but you know what? Don't put first names on the stone. What? <laughs> so, uh, Carl uh, then proceeds to tell the story we just heard told 20 minutes ago by Frank Langella. Crappily. Siamese twins. Siamese twins. There was this farmer's wife gave birth to these Siamese twins. But the farmer was so ashamed that them being freaks, he'd never let them out of the house. So they just lived up there, festering, eating dead spiders and mice. They never changed their clothes. They never cleaned their room. And they grew. And as they got older, it became clear that one twin was good. And the other? Well, the other was evil. Then one day, one of the twins got really sick, and since they shared the same liver, the virus quickly spread through their bodies, and they both croaked. And not wanting to expose the shame, this farmer took a chainsaw and separated the bodies from two. He buried the evil twin out in the, uh, end of a little dirt road called Crybaby Lane. And legend has it, if you go out there in the middle of the night, you can hear the sound of the dead twin crying from beyond his grave. And, like, it's a thing that, like, would have been, like, would have been really funny if they didn't make us sit through two minutes of it. Yeah. Like, if they had cut back, or they had just, like, sort of done, like, a panning shot... And then had Carl been like, and then the farmer took a chainsaw and split the evil twin, and the evil twin fell in. And you're like, oh, he's retelling the story, but poorly. Mm-hmm. Instead, yeah, he, he didn't embellish it at all or anything yeah, like that. They yeah. just had him tell the whole story kind of badly. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was definitely disappointing, and I think they the first time it's told, it's just black and white shots mm-hmm. of a house. I feel like if you had seen more of it. And then when he told it, it was like, a psycho clown with a chainsaw. Yeah, yeah. they have seen that. Like, yeah. if they had done something, it, it just... If they made it stylistically substantially mm-hmm. different. Yeah. Uh, so he tells the story. He plays a scary sound. Yep. That he taped over his... Summer, summer jam, jam mix. mix. <laughs> yeah. Carl's summer, summer jam mix. mix. Summer party jam. Summer party jam. Put it in my notes. Uh, the girls get scared. And then... Uh, they hear, like, some other like laughing, but it's not the tape, and then they all just go Well, home. then they hear the baby cry. Mm-hmm. They, hear, they the... hear the baby cry. Oh, and then they see worms. Yeah, and they're like, oh, worms. Uh, and this is important. Worms are brought up in the very beginning. 
Because that's what uh, Carl calls Andrew. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Bennett, never mind Andrew. He's a worm. Mom said. Spineless. Cut it out, Carl. Bait. Yeah. And and then the Undertaker was like, yeah, you bait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, he said, you are a bait. Yeah. <laughs> and then he said, I drove out to the desert. <laughs> no, we're not going there. <laughs> All right, oh, bye. Man. So uh, they go to the graveyard, and then this dog gets possessed, like a doggy does. Yeah, yes. And the, goes the dog full Kujo. Like, yeah, because the, the, the Undertaker goes to goes to the graveyard, finds the guy that digs the graves, and puts them in there. What a character! What, whatever that job title is. <laughs> and Gary. Go- like this. <clears throat> Jump titles Gary. 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 The guy who, who owns the backhoe. Who we meet sleeping in the backhoe. <laughs> the backhoe. Yes. Yes. But not like in the cab of the backhoe. In like the shovel. In the shovel. And I, I'd like to point out that did you immediately take this to mean, oh, he's homeless? <laughs> because guess. we then see his home later. <laughs> oh, I took it to mean he's drunk, and then later we see him drink boxed wine. Yes. That is true. But um Yeah, the the Undertaker meets Gary. They see it. They go to the, they go to the kid's grave. They find a strawberry candle and Carl's summer party jams, and then they see a dog. And the Undertaker says, "Oh, that's a sweetheart." Yes, and then that's it T-Bone's tackles dog. and then it tackles Gary, and, and then Franklin Jello gets in the car. And just, yeah, Franklin Jello run, <laughs> just book it, and you're like, "Oh, is he leaving a man to die?" And then he turns the car around. I'm pretty sure he's gonna hit this dog with a car. Yeah. Yeah, I was not into this part. He yeah, he drives as if he is going to run the dog over, but Gary is underneath the dog. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> like, he's like, two birds! And he, he just guns it. They he both, hits the gas and says, rest <laughs> in peace. <laughs> and they roll, he rolls out of the way. He opens the passenger door. He's like, get in, you numbskull! <laughs> and they drive away. Yeah. And Oh, and Gary pockets the Walkman. Yes. Yeah, Barry, Gary Pocket. The mega base. And he looks to, and he looks to Frank Langella, and Frank Langella says, if the president does it, it's not illegal. <laughs> and then he, he's like, well, I gotta go talk to Carl, because the fact that I found his Carl's summer, party summer party jam mix in a candle is clearly the reason this dog is evil. <laughs> well, there's also that weird scene where they set Gary up in his apartment, and he's trying to like get workman's comp. Yeah, they do have a and long. And he's like, scene. "I should see a doctor." And then Frank Langella's like, "Whoa, doctors no doctors, will kill you. no doctors, right. doctors will kill you." My I, Nixon's I right. know. My, my Nixon's that oh. great. Shut up. You kind of just shake your cheeks. Is really oh. yeah. Shake your cheeks and say "aru." That's, that's that's how Billy West does it. That is aru. Please edit that out later. We'll see. Um, so. Like, we have one of, like, two or three scenes that are just really pointless and stupid. Really? To kids? Yeah. Um, so then, uh, Carl is, Andrew's writing a script for how he's going to apologize to the girl he likes that Mm -hmm. was at the graveyard the previous night, and then Carl just toxic masculinity is all over, and Mm -hmm. then there's my favorite part of the movie. Attitude errors all over. We need to talk about exactly (laughs) what he says to him. He's like, here, let me write your script for you. Yeah. Oh, Kathy, I am a woman. I want to wear your Femi Scout uniform. They're perfect. Telephone. So what are you thinking is... Andrew, please, come on. You can't hide anything from me. It's like, eh, ew. 
true. It's very transphobic it's and gross. very. It's real gross. It's it's just it human phobic. Yeah, and then but then that is followed by the best part of the movie, undisputably, when uh, which is Andrew goes like. What am I supposed to say after last night? How do I apologize for raising the dead? We didn't raise the dead. Then what was it? I don't know. Wind. Who cares? It wasn't wind. <laughs> that was. <laughs> like, that wasn't wind. <laughs> he leans back. He lifts his leg up and farts. He says, yeah, but that was. <laughs> that was wind. I'm going to use that. You got ready, Jim. <laughs> and I just want to point out that we're all over 30. Yeah. <laughs> the funniest thing on the planet. That was weird. That was such an elaborate setup for a fart <laughs> But you know, I have to give credit to Nickelodeon for, you know, putting the effort in for that fart yeah, joke. Committing that fart <laughs> Is this what he names Drop Stone Cold? Yes. <laughs> No, no, that's later. Okay. No, no, that's when they come back. That's right, yeah. Because uh, he says something like, Oh, Carl. What? Maybe the sand worked. Oh, yeah, maybe I'm Stone Cold Steve Austin. All the wrestling references are way off the mark. Yeah. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin, known for his bravery. <laughs> yeah, it just makes no sense. So, uh, after, uh, they, they, this argument, uh, the Undertaker, Mr. Bennett, shows up. Not the actual Undertaker. (laughs) The Undertaker. How great would it have been if at this point in the movie, the literal wrestler, the Undertaker, rolls into town and then has to fight this evil child. Now we're talking. Now we have a film. Somebody get me Vince McMahon. Yeah. It's just been an elaborate setup for an Undertaker <laughs> monster hunting movie. Oh, yes. My Undertaker. And then halfway through, he has to team up with the other Undertaker, and they're both just like, I don't understand you. <laughs> Ever since you're not even fought. an Undertaker. You're a mortician. <laughs> well, you're a wrestler, and then, they, then they're partners. <laughs> so then, um, but they're back at the Undertaker's house, and... Uh, wait, wait, before that happens... Is when he, the Undertaker, shows up at, at their, their house. house. Right. Mm-hmm. And definitely doesn't sound like a. Pe- oh, wait, he does. He does yes. sound exactly like a pedophile. Hello, Aaron. I need to talk to your boys. About what? Well, to tell you the truth, I'd rather not say. Are they here? Yeah. Uh, the mom is like, oh. Uh, he's like, I need to talk to your kids. And the mom's like, why? I'd rather not say it's a secret between me and your kids. Uh. <laughs> wait, why do you have secrets with my children? Yeah, like. Like, I'd be calling the cops. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not... I, I would be using much stronger language than, I don't like you, and then putting my hand on my hip. <laughs> sort of sassily. And then he's like, I guess you're upset about your mom's funeral. Yeah. Yes, and that... Which we never find out about. They never... They, they never explain what happened here. But she says, like, I'm sorry your mother was not presentable. And, like... It's never brought up again. L- let's go yes. around... And let's all explain what we think that means. Okay. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, start. we'll start with you. I what le- do you think happened at I this funeral? I legitimately think, well, I have to assume that they asked for an open casket funeral, but the mom was killed in some kind of an accident, and he could not reconstruct it, so they gave a closed casket funeral, and the mother was just like, I am outraged at this. 
That is exactly what I thought. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I just thought I did a crap job and, like, her makeup wasn't right or something. Like, like there's ways to not look presentable. Yeah. Um, and Maybe like, she looked too dead. Like, I know that's a thing in, like, or yeah. like, mortuary work. I know a big complaint in mortuary work as well is that they don't look like themselves. Mm, yeah. Like, if you, you know... Say you have someone who doesn't wear makeup, like, mm-hmm. ever, and then you go to the funeral and they're, like, very heavily made mm-hmm. up. Right. Like, big winged eyeliner and big blue eyeshadow. Like, that's a way. Like, but we don't find out. Yeah, because... but yeah. none of this matters because they don't explain it. Yeah, none <laughs> of this matters because this is one throwaway line in this film. This scene made me think that there was some kind of connection between the Undertaker and... Uh, and the mother and the that, family, yeah, and the family that like maybe he's um, an uncle of hers or something like that that the kids have never found out about. Mm-hmm. But it's just like it was; it all felt very personal, and then yes. it just never really expanded on that. Like, which is very odd. And if it were a better movie, that would have been like the secret. Like that, it would have been like the mother having a moment of bonding with her kids and being like, "I never told you why I don't want you to hang out with mm-hmm. the Undertaker." Yeah, it's because like. We were family, and it hurts too much to see him. And then, like, all of the characters would bond together, and, like, their sort of mutual, like... Or that, like, you know, this has happened before, and yeah. she was part of the group that used to hang out Yeah, and you would right, have that yeah. sort of, like, <laughs> it, that it-style, like, flashback experience. But, that... like, this movie doesn't understand what it's riffing on, so it just, like... Especially because, like, if we line up the dates with this late 60s idea, mm-hmm. um... A mother of a teenager and a 12-year-old would have been a child in the late 60s. Mm-hmm. Yes. Can yes. you put her at, like, say she had the older kid at 25 and he's 15, so she's 40. Yeah. Yeah, so she could have known these twins. She, she would have been 10 in 1969, yeah. yeah. Alright, that, that, yeah, so many ways to fix this. There's story. so many ways that this movie could have been better yeah. than what it was. Uh, and then, the family has a fight because Andrew wants to go out for wrestling. Which is interesting, because Andrew wants to do a thing his brother loves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Andrew trying to, like, bond with his brother, and his mom is, like, kind of putting a wedge there without meaning to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, well, the mom has that line of, like... I never said you couldn't go out for wrestling. It's a brutal sport, and I can't believe our public schools teach children to attack each other, but I never said you couldn't go out for wrestling. If I say go out for wrestling, would you eat your dinner? Go out for gladiating. But for dueling! <laughs> and I was like, man, if my school had offered dueling. gladiators yeah. for dueling... But that is such a great, like, mom moment. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, no, I, I don't... You can do that if you do want. I, yeah. Do this? Jump, jump off a bridge just because your friends are doing it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Who am I? I'm just <laughs> oh, stupid But we mother. over the moment that I want to talk about. I'm sorry. <laughs> Which is when... What does he say to... Oh, he's like, what is it? what does he blame on the dad? What does Andrew say? Like, Dad says oh, this. Uh, you're overprotective. Dad always says so. <laughs> That's right. He says, you're overprotective. Dad always says so. And then Dad goes, I'm going out to the yard. Yeah. <laughs> going out to the yard. Uh, I wanted to see more of the dad. The dad was a funny character. I didn't. The dad was a weirdo. <laughs> Everyone in this movie was a Here's weirdo. The thing. If, the, if the mother and the dad were on the same page, and they were both, like, weird, you do your own thing, I'm not here for you, you kids, then mm-hmm. everything else in the movie would have made sense. Yeah. Them going off to the Undertaker because they're looking for a parental figure. 
them getting into trouble and not having authority figures to turn to because the parents are, like, lackadaisical. Mm -hmm. All of this would have made sense if there was not an obviously concerned, aggressively trying to, like, protect her children figure in the movie. We made jokes about this, but it really does seem like the through line for the dad is he's incredibly sexually frustrated. (laughs) Yeah. Because, like, here's what we know about this character. Behind his wife's back, he says that she spends too much time with the kids. Then, we see him on a computer. Yep. Like a 90s computer. Just hitting buttons. <laughs> and yeah, he's clearly not typing. Like It's not like he's writing something. He's doing something where it's just like, click, click, click. click and then click, sitting click, click. for a while. And then sitting. And then, he's watching monster trucks. Later, <laughs> the second that, his, that the mother leaves. He switches to like models walking you down a runway. And the, the, she comes back. Yeah, the mother comes back and was like, the kids are gone. And he gets, hits the button. And he hits the button. And he, he gives a speech of like... They're gone! And? Go find them! Look, Anne, you only had sisters. Boys are different. They need to explore. I think it's healthy. I mean, if there was some boogeyman out there... But what's going to happen? They get muddy... Yeah, I could drive all night long, never find him, maybe fall asleep behind the wheel, but what kind of message would that send? What are we really saying here? And, like, I feel like if he had gotten a few more lines in, the rest of that is, and now we have the house to ourselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We go, we When's go the last time that's been true? I've been looking at supermodels all night. <laughs> It's so, uh, Milan Runway Week. <laughs> Which so is the thing I want to like emphasize is that like he's it's not Victoria's Secret. It's not Victoria's no. Secret. They're wearing like full body. It's from like House of Style, according yeah. to the credits. It's, it's from, they're watching House of Style. <laughs> but he's watching it behind his wife's back. Like, oh yeah. Doesn't want to get caught with that. Um so then uh the twelve year old has a fight with his nine year old friend and's like and like, oh, that was weird. The nine-year-old is like, if you marry my mom, you could be my dad. And I was like, oh, this got sad. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. Not now, Hall. Man, this is great. I'll go get my bike. Hall, you can't come. What? Could it to grill? I know a grill for you. Hall, what if I told you about breathing my air? You don't scare me. Forget it, Hall. She likes you. I'm not going out with your mom. Yeah, but if you marry her, you could be my dad. Oh, look, you're nine. I'm 12. I'm 12 years old. You gotta stop coming over. You're a good kid. My mom was right about you. You are pathetic. Very weird and completely unnecessary. Oh, we also missed Cookie Dough Will Kill Your Baby. Oh, yeah. Sorry I'm late, Mrs. Hunt. Cookie Dough, that's gonna kill the baby. Are terrible. They're super weird. Yeah. But not in like the way that I would want them to be weird. Yes. Uh, the the fight with the, the, the nine-year-old friend, Hall, literally has no purpose. No. Well, uh, it, it, the only reason it exists, and it, it, the only reason it exists is to frustrate me. Yes. <laughs> because like, they've established that these two are friends, mm-hmm. and that these two are sticking together, obviously despite the fact that their parents are not a real factor, that the brother terrorizes Andrew, and... And that, like, the rest of the kids don't really get them. Mm-hmm. Which 
in any other movie of this style would mean that the two of them are going to team up to take on whatever, like, yeah, threat the is. evil. They are going to be the loser's club that is going to fight it and, like, that is going to conquer it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This fight, all he does is then the next time he sees his good friend say, You're nine. I'm twelve. Get out of here. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> what is the point of like the only point of that is so that Nandrew is by himself when things happen. Like my I I my only justification could be this is supposed to show that Andrew's trying to be more grown up. And, I could and see it's that. in front of Carl. That yeah, he's, he's yeah. trying to impress Carl. Yeah. I can see that. Uh, meanwhile, there's a Girl Scout that I don't even know why she's bothering this family. But her friends are over. Like, she's going to her friends' Oh, that's house. right, yeah. It's, she's going it's, to one of, it's one of the girls' moms. Yeah. Yeah. And the mom's holding a baby and a thing of cookie, jo- cookie dough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she opens the door, and by way of greeting, this girl's cat goes, Cookie dough's gonna kill your baby. <laughs> As if the mom's just gonna be spoon-feeding <laughs> the baby <laughs> in the wrong And I'm like, man, like, somebody really took their love of dead baby jokes way too far at Nickelodeon. Like, and, if this was a real horror movie, like, she would get possessed and kill her baby with the cookie dough. Like, that's what would happen. But yeah. instead, it's just like, well, that's over. Well, and then they establish that, like, she's looking for her friends and we see them run off because they've been possessed. Well, yeah, we see the scene where the Girl Scout steps on the worms mm-hmm. and then her eyes turn white. And that means she's possessed by evil twin. Uh, I did really <sighs> like the acting. From the young teenager girl actresses, because they just got real mean girls. Yeah. yeah. Like. Yeah, they went from just being like, we're going to go scared to like, hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like, but they felt very, like, they actually felt more natural when they were possessed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. Let's play a game. Like, they felt like realistic mean girls. Well, we should first point out that when they get possessed... The news calls it rabies, mm-hmm. and they like packs of ro- evil rogue teen girls. <laughs> yeah, evil rogue teen girls knocking over mailboxes. It's like, wait a minute, is that what the evil twin made him evil? You're just a shitty dad. Yeah, you know? the whole the evil twin is just puberty. <laughs> yeah, it's just being a kid that you don't know how to handle, which is insane because there's a good child connected by the liver. Uh. <laughs> I'm getting, sorry, I'm getting really heated. I'm getting really no, heated. No, I didn't even consider that, but you're right. The evil children are just doing pranks yeah. and being rude. Like, that's their guideline for, like, the evil child that we locked in in a closet until he died. I want to knock over some mailboxes. Really? When you die, you're going in an unmarked grave in the yard. Well, into the attic with you. Sometimes when we record this podcast, I wonder what our neighbors think. <laughs> Guess you're going to die in the attic. <laughs> what about me? I just wanted to stay home and study. Sorry. Only one liver. <laughs> Can't let the neighbors know, Michelle. So then uh, we have a sequence where uh, Carl leads Andrew into a prank where he loses his clothing and the girls pelt him with what look like water balloons while he's in his underwear because mm-hmm. we see... Too much of this kid. See, this is the the question I, I had. We we have this moment where Andrew and Carl get separated by a train. Carl has dared Andrew to cross the train tracks when a train is coming. Right. So then Carl's evil and takes him to a barn. And 
like, this is his evil plan, is tricks him to fall into a pile of poo, strips him down to his underwear, tells him to go stand by the space heater, which isn't a thing, and then when he turns around, the girls are there, and they pelt him with stuff. Yeah. But, like, one, we don't know what they were pelted with. Uh, because I believe, Jeff, you said lemons? They looked like they lemons. Looked, I thought they were water balloons. You said water I balloons. I also thought they might have been eggs. Yeah, I couldn't tell what they were. I, I They were brightly colored. I jumped right to balloons full of piss. And, <laughs> like, there is no evidence <laughs> no. that it was balloons full of piss. No, there really Maybe isn't. because he fell into poop, it's like, well, the next logical step would be piss. But that's immediately where I went. Man, give you one fart joke and look where you go. But, but like... Then they vanish. And I was trying to, like, understand, are we supposed to understand that that didn't really happen? Well, I mean, he's not wearing clothes for the rest of that sequence. Like, I understood that he took his clothes off. Like, that happened, clearly. But then he gets pelted with stuff, and then everyone's just gone. I was like, did he really get pelted with stuff, or was that just, like... Then there's a bull, though. Yeah, so does a bull happen as well, is the next question. And then a bull... Tries to murder the child. Because. Because. He is wearing red underwear and bulls hate the color red. And then, like, a, uh, the adults are possessed and they burn a boat? Yeah. Then he, like, runs to, like, a house full of hillbillies. Yeah, but before we even get to that, like, how, how does he get away from the bull? Someone opens the door. So, like, a farmer slams the door between them. Yeah, someone saves him. And then we never see who that was, nor does he help him again. It's just like, I saved her from the bull. Be gone, naked child. And then the child runs naked through the town. (laughs) Must be Tuesday. (laughs) What is this? And then, like, in another creepy thing, he ends up at the Undertaker's house in, like, clothes he stole? Yes. From from the the hillbillies. Yes. Who set a boat on fire? They, they blow up a boat? But yeah. have some clothes laying around that Andrew steals. Mm-hmm. So then Andrew turns up in, like, grown-up men's clothing. And that's where his parents find him. Yeah, at, at the the Undertaker's. But Which the we un- have an, an entirely needless scene. With Jim Gaffigan. With Jim Gaffigan, who just shows up. And argues with the Undertaker. About cold cuts. Because yeah. he tried to charge him $30 here, look, see, it's all itemized. I never asked for cold cuts. $30 for coffee? Are you trying to exploit us? I just assumed. Typical. It's standard stuff. Tell him your uncle's a lawyer. You want lawyers involved? Dan, come on. We're friends, huh? No, we're not. For coffee. Yeah. Which, given the amount of coffee that you would have at your average, like, viewing... Is not that expensive. Well, I will stand by the Undertaker on this. Well, here's the thing. D- is that usually a thing? Coffee at, a, at like a viewing? No, no, you don't usually have. I don't. At least I would viewings just, I've attended. You don't cold have, cuts. You do don't you, have food and drink at I've, the viewing. You have them at the reception afterwards at the repast. It's like we're gonna have a viewing. Say we're gonna say some prayers. We have turkey, ham, and salami. Uh, like. That seemed weird. I guess I was thinking more like a wake, where like they were having it and like the party at the same time. I'm thinking of the repast. 
Yeah, like that could be like that could be what they were putting together. Yeah, but that's more of a mortician. That's more of a like of that's a funeral director. That's yeah. a yes. fourth job that this man <laughs> has. Now that you mention it, yes, that is a fourth job that Frank Langella. And on top of this, there's the weird scene in which he threatened, in which he reveals that he thinks Prince Adam might be He-Man. <laughs> well, and actually, in the scene, there is a reveal that. Frank Langella was the one who separated the bodies. Yes. yes. He's, he's like, by the way, I got some details I didn't tell you earlier. See, th- this is... We, let me follow the information we gain here. Uh, Jim Gaffigan is upset because he's charging him for coffee and stuff with him. Yep. And he said, hey, come on, we're friends. And he says, no, we're not. Mm-hmm. And so my thought is, okay, he's lonely. He needs the money. Mm-hmm. They're not like they're expecting him to throw in free stuff. This doesn't look like a large town. How many people here are yeah. like using the funeral home on a regular basis? So, so like, all right, this makes sense. Then we cut to inside where he says, "Help me get this loser into a cheaper box <laughs> while he's stealing the dead body's socks." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Oh, they're reusing the coffin to sit." Okay, this is beyond, like, saving money. This is a scam. Oh, can we also talk... This reminds me... The small town comment reminds me of a thing... A tiny beat earlier that I really want to acknowledge. Yeah. Was when the Undertaker is talking to the mother. He says, he's like, So I think something important has happened. T-Bone's dog attacked Greg? (laughs) Gary. Attacked Gary. T-Bone's dog attacked Gary? He says this as though the mother will not only know who Gary is, but will know who T-Bone is, who we never meet. <laughs> we never meet T-Bone. <laughs> but the, the point I'm, I'm trying to get to here is when he then goes to reveal uh, the, his last detail, he says... Andrew, uh, let me tell you a story. Not now. Listen. It's about the farmer who had the Siamese twins. Well, there was something I forgot to mention. After the twins died and they were separated, there was a mistake. And? The bodies got put into the wrong graves. The good son was buried out in the field and the evil one was put in the grave where you had your seance last night. I think you roused an evil spirit. And I think everything it comes across turns evil. You're telling me one story, and now you're telling me another story. I'm the one who separated the bodies. The only explanation we get is... Uh, I'm a bad undertaker. I'm much better with animals. Let's, let's, Let's look at all the leaps in logic we have to get to for this. And I know it's a Nickelodeon scary movie, but he is such a bad undertaker that he separates these children, switches them, realizes it, (laughs) and does nothing to stop himself. Well, he may have realized it after, but that raises the question of how. (laughs) Yeah, I guess what would have to happen is one is in the ground, and he's like, alright, and now the other one... Oh shit! That's the evil twin. Shit! But then he can't go time back to, to the time, time to bury this other one in the yard by crybaby. <laughs> look. Oh. 
put them already all the way over yeah. here. I'd have to, I'd have to get gas for the backhoe. <laughs> put the gas in the backhoe. Get Gary out of the get backhoe. Gary sleeping out. in there. Use the ba- this. It's staying here. Fuck it. This will never come up. It's almost it's almost the seventies. This thing yeah. happens all the time. When, when I tell this story, I'm leaving this part out. <laughs> yeah, this is embarrassing. But yeah, so then uh, his parents show up, or mm-hmm. his mom shows up, and he is wearing adult clothes, being in the basement. Yeah. It does not look good. Yeah, he's just. <laughs> there is like a weird moment where they shut the kid in the basement, which is very odd. But yeah, like this is an already creepy guy. That's already been told to stay away from the kids. It's the middle of the night, and her son's clothing is gone. <laughs> the, the line is something along the lines of, like, I'm here, I'm taking my son back. Hi, it's good to see you. <laughs> I'm reporting you. I don't know to who, but... <laughs> you look nice. You look nice. Yeah, so... And then, uh... Carl kind of apologizes... And, like, we have this moment at home where the brothers seem to reconcile. And then we go to Gary at his house, drinking boxed wine, waiting for a lady. But before we get into Gary, uh, this is the one moment where I was like, ooh, good sibling writing here. Mm -hmm. But I don't understand it. Uh, Carl apologizes for uh, taking Andrew to Bennett's. Mm-hmm. But what he really should be apologizing for is stripping him naked, throwing him in poop, and covering him in piss balloons. We don't know And getting him murdered by a ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he doesn't do that. And there's that moment of recognition of like, oh, that's all you told mom. I'm not going to be a tattletale. I accept your apology. It's like, you believe... That he is possessed by an evil spirit. Well, this is not pride time. That's the other thing. Andrew doesn't want to go back to the house with his mother because he says, no, Carl's there. I don't want to go back. Her, his mom thinks it's because they're fighting and Carl's been bullying him and stuff. But mm. really, it's because he's like, no, he's possessed by this evil baby twin. <laughs> and then like, what I took that moment as is Andrew going... Oh, you're possessed. Mm-hmm. If I cross you right now, you're going to like possess my parents, and then I'm just di- then they're all just gonna like bury want, me. You didn't want it to like escalate any further, right there. Yeah, that was Carl. That was Andrew going. Oh, oh, this is this is you. You're you're playing. You're playing a good child to mom because you're secretly possessed by an evil twin. Yeah. Now Carl I know would, the game. And his actions later Carl reflect that this. he would know that Carl would okay. not apologize. Yeah. This is Andrew. This is the moment in which Andrew goes from being like a reactive character to an active character and saying. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I have. I understand the terms on which I have to fight you. So then, now the action picks up a lot because now we're kind of like, now the monsters theme is really just playing all loose. So Gary drinking his boxed wine. Uh, ben the Undertaker tries to warn him. Uh, Gary fakes an injury so that he can get workers' comp some more. Uh, I have to play this clip, so I want to bring it up. Oh, okay. Did you guys pay attention to the song he's dancing <laughs> it around? It was a lot to? of like tech nineties tech references. It is a, it is a country song about someone who likes computers. She's a one of a kind, open minded, good natured line dancing witty, pretty, fun loving gal. Got a bubbly personality. You could buy love and sell. Say you baby. 
It's bad. Determined not to stare. Wishing he would ask her out. But thanks, he did. He's a disc drive gigabyte mini disc megabyte ram rom fun loving man. So funny. Charmingly? Yeah, let's talk about all our futuristic stuff like CD-ROMs and our <laughs> hard drive. And it's really the only thing in the movie that really like drives home when it takes place. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it would be somewhat like it has that kind of it has that, that pre-tech trick. timeless. Yeah, it has that, you know, yeah. that that Stephen King style. This could this was your childhood, no matter what time period your childhood was. Because yeah. I was considering I mean, like these things mm-hmm. between like the forties and the nineties. You oh had, yeah, like, that's a good point. The wrestling references date also date yeah, also yeah. date it really specifically yeah, very specifically in the attitude era. <laughs> the really specific corporate ministry undertaker poster but when you yeah. have like between like the 40s and the 90s you have this idea of like i, I always think of it as like pre-tech timeless yeah. like before kids had cell phones mm-hmm. cell phones kind of ruin that yeah but you kind of have this 50 years where childhood was sort of this very similar experience mm-hmm Cell which phones is, is like which is the what which is what the kids on bikes genre is built off of. Yeah. Is like no matter what decade you are in, like like that that childhood experience of we're on of we're just going out to a place mm-hmm. and exploring and mysterious things could happen is built on that. And this movie almost <laughs> almost gets it because I remember like The Sandlot was released in the '90s but took place yeah. in the '60s, mm-hmm. but still felt somewhat contemporary. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That's a good comparison. Uh, so then we have uh, the dorky little Lord of the Rings lark boy uh, shows up and... Beats an old man. Beats an old man with a lightsaber, steals his ring, and calls it his precious. Which never really comes up again. That he's like possessed, but also still himself. So this kind of guy is in this idea of like when you're possessed by the evil twin, you're just the worst part of yourself. You're just your yes. worst possible self. You're yeah. not really acting as the evil twin would act. Because the girls are still decidedly feminine. Mm-hmm. The girls yes. are the girls are mean girls. Carl is his mo- is the worst of his bullying impulses, mm-hmm. in that he tries to literally have his kid brother murdered. And then the nine year old is just like way the too worst. D- dork. Way too deep into the LARP. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, then Andrew tries to find him. Oh well, then we have the sequence where Carl picks the lock, and the still that everybody uses for Crybaby Lane is with Carl with the white blanked out eyes in the. Uh, Foggy shower mirror. Yes, and it's also like kind of cracked down his face. Yeah, it's like that iconic still. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good shot. It's a great shot. And uh, it's because you know someone else is trying. Like, there's way too much of like Carl catching his brother not wearing clothing. Like, it's a mm-hmm. theme throughout it. Yeah, it, there's a lot of kid nudity in this, and I'm not happy about it. Yeah, it's very, it's very odd because it's not like a explicit. Fear Andrew would have like Andrew seems to be afraid to be vulnerable and afraid to be like to make mistakes. We see that when he is writing the script to call Kathy. Mm-hmm. He's afraid to make mistakes. He's afraid of looking, I guess, emotionally naked. Yeah. So maybe this like thing of him constantly being caught in a vulnerable state is meant mm-hmm. to echo that. It's just not executed well. No. But so Andrew tears open the shower curtain. The shower is running or. Carl tears open the shower curtain. Shower is running. Andrew is gone. Yes. He is running to see Mr. Bennett, the Undertaker, who's out cold with the lightsaber next to him. Yes. And this 
the, the wording here is very interesting because they find him and he goes, Mr. Bennett, Mr. Bennett, Ben. Ben Bennett. His name is Ben Bennett. <laughs> Uncle Ben Bennett. Uncle Ben Bennett. Uncle Benny ben Bennett. Bennett. <laughs> what a terrible name. Uncle Ben. Uh, and then we meet. No, we're, he, we, he hasn't really done anything. We have not yet. talked about the nephew yet. So now we get creepy Kenneth. <laughs> did 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 Ben die? No, no. You, he, the, his last words are "waiter, check please," and then unconsciousness. We see him at the end talking to Andrew and Kathy. Oh right, okay. Edit point. Because <laughs> you don't want to be wrong. Don't no. <laughs> okay, so then we have uh, Kenneth, who is Ben's creepy protege nephew. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's baby Crispin Glover. <laughs> Introduced wearing, like, real taxidermy, like, taxidermy yeah. gear. I definitely got, like, a Crispin Glover vibe from him. Yeah. That, like, shaky, nay, you. He sleeps, apparently, on the mortician's work table with the lights out and a blanket <laughs> she, entirely covering him. Yeah. Oh. Like, he's creepy and odd. And he's a, he's... He's got the potential to be a really good character, but they don't really cash in on yeah. But we are... 85% through the movie, and we're really just getting to know him now. But I, uh, like, they need to get to Crybaby Lane because they need to get the weed growing through the yeah. good twin's a heart. Weed, a weed grows in every grave that is connected to the soul of the person buried there. They, uh, they accidentally pulled out the weed of the evil child in the original grave, so now they have to go pull out the other weed to balance the force it's not really made clear yeah, we yeah learned it doesn't this make from gary sense. by the way gary's the yeah one gary really knows this like <laughs> deep lore good old box wine gary um, drunk on box wine faking workers comp goes by the way i got a ghost story for you <laughs> there's a lot of leaps in logic there's like oh it's clearly a possession from an evil twin and like this is the only way to solve it are you sure <laughs> yeah hey my name's Gary. <laughs> so then, like, Kenneth and Andrew get in the car. Kenneth's like, I've got a license. And Andrew's like, I don't know how to get there. I do. And so there's, like, this weird madcap car sequence mm-hmm. with Kenneth, who is not a good driver, driving yeah. Andrew around. And then the cops chase them. Cops have the whited out eyes. And they're trying to smack. They're trying to, like, smash the car off the road and murder them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Andrew GTAs Kenneth and shoves him over and starts driving and is a better driver. And then they drive into the middle of a cornfield. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because it's a horror movie. And then he gets chased by uh, a guy on a corn, like a harvester. Like a thresher, yeah. 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 A wheat, a wheat. A wheat thresher, yeah. Yeah, and this is where you bring it, this up. and I, So I think it's a good time to bring it up in the podcast. Uh, we see a hearse get destroyed by farm equipment. Yep. What was the budget for this film? Uh, the budget for this film was $800,000. It's not a lot of money. No. (laughs) To make a movie. No, uh, they originally, this was supposed to be a full theatrical release when it was planned originally. Really? Uh, they lost a few scenes. Okay. But all of them, they said they actually were able to keep most of the major set pieces they wanted intact. Okay. But I think it also is, like, why we have the little house and, like, the awkward angles and... I, I, uh, this actually brings up a very specific thing that frustrated me to no end in this. And it, it feels like it was a re- it was reshoots because it was on Nickelodeon. 
no one, like, no one is even remotely hurt in this film. Well, I, I took the that as dog, Nickelodeon thing. That's what I mean. I feel like if this was a theatrical release, this this thing that frustrated me might not have been there. Because, like, the dog mauls Gary. Except then he gets up and goes, no, I'm fine. Dog didn't touch me. <laughs> it's, it's internal injuries. <laughs> then the, the thresher smashes the hearse. It flips. Kenneth crawls out of the back. Kenneth doesn't crawl out of the back till the end, though. Like, he is presumed it, dead. Yeah, right? and then, like, the, there's that... It's what is clearly, like, a, late, a later filmed shot of Kenneth, like, rolling out of the back. Like, I'm fine, everybody. <laughs> it was very Invader Zim, like, the Iggins mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. Everyone must be shown as alive as and fine. Yeah, and yeah. so that, was, that felt, like, very, like, a Nickelodeon conceit, which if it was a theatrical release, Gary probably would have been dead real early. Yeah. Gary probably wouldn't have made it out of the original He probably would have been mauled by scene. a dog, and then and then Kenneth would have been flipped in the car, and then there probably would have been some other deaths along the way. But then we wouldn't we have gotten... We would have gotten... lost at least one of the girls, probably. Yeah. Yeah. That guy in the car. The girls throw a pumpkin at a car, and it flies into a lake, and then the guy the again... just walks out of it. Like... Yeah, like, that guy probably would have been killed. Yeah. That's a good point. But, uh... He ends up just getting to cry baby Lane, basically, <laughs> by luck. Yeah, and then, like, the girls... Then he gets surrounded by the girls. Oh, yes, yes, I'm sorry. And this they, is very important. And they are in full, like, mean girl, girl gang. Mm-hmm. Like, there's ten, like six or seven of them, only three of whom we know. Mm-hmm. I and think four of them, because I think the girls Four, because the cookie dough yeah. girl, yeah. And then, like... Three or four more girls who we never see mm-hmm. yeah. or hear from again, and they're putting him up to kiss the girl he likes, Kathy. Yes. Kathy. Yes. Kenneth. Hi, Andrew. Hi. 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 Well, what? Do you, what do you want? We're bored. Yeah. We want to play a game. I'm busy. Maybe some other time. You'll like this game. Kiss me, Andrew. What? I want you to kiss me. Don't you like me? I know what's happened to you. Kiss and tell. No! (laughs) (laughs) You have a choice, Andrew. Kiss. Or Chi-Chi. What's Chi Chi? <laughs> Kiss Kathy. Kiss or Chi Chi. Or Chi Chi. Uh, and I will say there's a moment where she, he's about to kiss her and she opens her mouth and a spider is on her tongue. Calling back to what The Undertaker said randomly earlier of, you know, you, you eat five spiders in your sleep, right? <laughs> That's just a fact. But uh, <laughs> That's why I don't sleep. We're, we're going to go around the room again. Guys, what's Chi Chi? What do you guys think Chi-Chi is? Uh, we'll start with Laura on this one. Laura, what uh, is Chi-Chi? It looked like it was a, like, a gang beating. Like It looked <laughs> yeah. like one of them dropped him to the ground and they all started kicking him. Okay. Jeff, what's Chi-Chi? I had assumed it was sacrificing him to the evil child. Like Maybe we would have found out the child's name was Chi-Chi. Oh, all right, okay. Evil twin Chi-Chi. <laughs> Jen, do you ever guess what Chi-Chi could be? Um, well, 
I had a thought about similar to Laura's, except I just thought it would be, I guess, that really big girl scout who comes out yeah. just beating the crap out of him. Yeah, they bring out this giant girl scout who we've never seen before. Becky, I think, was her name. I think so. But, like, we had never seen Becky before, nope. have we? Nope. Nope. I assumed that was Chi-Chi. If they had, yes. if they had playfully been like Chi-Chi, and then she like cracks her knuckles, yeah, <laughs> it's Chi-Chi time. And like that would have, like I would, I would have actually loved that had they been like, oh, you don't want that Chi-Chi, and then she like, you know, what would have been cool if she had done the, uh, she had done the, the, the neck crack. <laughs> I also thought it was gonna be one of those situations where the, he's like, what's Chi-Chi, and they're like, it's kissing. <laughs> There was a hot second where I thought uh, Chi-Chi was going to be Carl in the dress and, like, bring back that idea of, like, oh, he wants to wear your scout outfit. Oh, my oh. God! That would have been so good! Because, like, for a second, like, because we'd never seen this, like, taller Girl Scout before, I thought it was Carl because who brings in a random character we've never met mm-hmm. ten minutes before the end of the movie? Um, Which and would have been so much better because he defeats this giant Girl Scout with a drop toehold that his brother yes. showed him earlier. So, like, that would have made this movie so much better. Yeah, and then, like, Andrew gets to the grave, and he's pulled underground the way Carl was when he was possessed. And the creepy entity, who just looks like a slime ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's full, gro- full like a full-grown adult. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> never explained. He I, looks I, like Skull from uh, Power Rangers. A little bit. Yeah, I, I got Robbie Rotten from him. He's never, just like, me, I'm doing stuff. <laughs> never explained why he's an adult and not a child. Yeah, it was very ambiguous. How old were these kids when they died? Because <laughs> they were 26. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were like, it's crybaby lane. You can hear the baby crying. But then they were twins old, that you, old enough that you can identify by one an as evil, evil and a good one. Yeah. And then we see there's a full-grown adult in the ground. We probably, but not so old that Frank Langella would be able to tell them apart. Well, he's, I'm guessing he continued to age. Then he should have been older. He should have been much... Well, he should have been the mother's age. No. Jeff? Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was 1969. Yeah, we established that that fit in the timeline. Remember when the kid had a lightsaber? Yeah. And he was saying Tolkien? Bullcrap! <laughs> I just... Oh, no, I'm just like... We should have Jeff and Jen on all the time, because I really love that uh, now when I disagree with Noah, I'm objectively right, because of mob rule. <laughs> the opposite of objective. <laughs> I feel like it's worse. I feel like when you correct me when it's just the two of us, I'm just like, oh, Okay. But here I'm like, no, you're all wrong. You're all against me. And I'm correct. How's the nine-year-old going to carry around all of Tolkien's work? I'm putting you on my Hermes list. <laughs> you You don't think you won't pay. All of you will pay. Oh my God, you're going to have such a hell of a time editing this podcast. Yeah, I'm just making stuff worse for myself. So, and then, uh, they, like... He confronts Beetlejuice. Eats a bunch of worms, and then I'm googling when the Boogeyman debuted. (laughs) (laughs) The Boogeyman debuted in 2004 after this film. Oh, so yeah, definitely was not. It was inspired by wrestling, and then it inspired wrestling. Because I genuinely did have the thought of like, 
oh, would, did they steal this from the Boogeyman if the Boogeyman had not debuted four years later? I, I, well, I, the I'm, father at one point does say, if there was a Boogeyman out there, we would know. We wouldn't let the kids run around and explore <laughs> like that. And then yeah. suddenly. So Boogeyman origin story confirmed? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, if, if I ever get to ask the Undertaker, Mark Calloway, one question... <laughs> It will be my, his thoughts on this movie because they talk about him in this. They ask you, they bring you up so much. So Andrew succeeds and pulls the weed, and then it's daytime. Yeah, and then it's me. daytime, and everyone is fine. No mm-hmm. one remembers what happened, mm-hmm. and then we cut to and, well, well Andrew flowers picks, growing. Yeah, Andrew the picks one of the dead guy flowers mm-hmm. and hands it to Kathy, mm-hmm. and Kathy's like, "What? No card." <laughs> so meanly that I was like, is she still possessed? Yeah, it was cunning. It was cutting. Cutting. Like, it was very mean. Uh, and then it cuts to... Oh, and then the bigger girl, like, Chi-Chi? Or Becky? Or whoever? Also comes out of the field not remembering what happened. And, uh, Kathy's excited to see her and hugs her. Yeah. And then we see Kenneth crawl out of the car. Mm-hmm. And then we see the guy driving the thresher being like, oh my god, what happened? I think I chipped a tooth. I think I lost my mind. Can you help me? Well, I was just in a limo crash. Like, you almost murdered me. But let me help you. Uh, And it's been around. And then Carl apologizes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Carl actually apologizes. And then we cut to Andrew with his arm around his lady. Talking to the Undertaker. The Undertaker well, tells Kenneth the story. carries a taxidermied hyena. Because he goes said earlier, I'm better with animals. Yeah. And uh, two, two important parts here is Kenneth says something like, Ooh, tell the story where we're embalming the person <laughs> who wasn't dead all the way yet. Yet, implying they did not stop. <laughs> that <laughs> they killed the man. Killed and then we man. see then we see Carl hanging out in the Hobbit hole. Yes, with Hal, with Hall, which they never interact before this. Well, is this supposed to like be kind of like a downgrade? Like Andrew is now up because he's a hero. He's with the girl. He's not afraid of these stories. And now Carl is down. He's with the nine. But he's also happy. This is, I wanted, and I said this when we watched it, I wanted that to be, like, the intro, to be, like, early in the movie. To have it be, like, because it would have also amped the fact up that Carl is specifically, like, specifically hates Andrew. Yeah. Which may, which would have, like, so what I wanted, if, I feel like if we had started with Carl, like, loving wrestling with this Tolkien-loving kid Mm -hmm. that Andrew is sort of vaguely annoyed by. And Carl is mean to Andrew. It plays up the fact that Carl is specifically mean to Andrew and not just sort of misanthropic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it plays up that sibling rivalry because, look, he's being nice to this kid who is both younger and super weird. Like, it would have played... It would have made Carl a more interesting character and a more interesting villain if he's like, yeah, I'm nice to other people. I just don't like you because you're my brother. Yeah. And, like, it, it didn't... It would have just added... And it would have made Andrew being a little hesitant to hang out with Hall... It would have made that part make more sense. And then your group of characters who are your protagonists all have interesting intertwined relationships, which makes all of the drama and the characters turning evil 
way more interesting. Why is this the last thing that we see in the movie? And we never point. see any of the other girls. No. Just no. Kathy, because she's a love interest. Like, I, I, I really watched that scene and went, like, this should have been our introduction to these characters. Yeah. And then we then we see Carl be mean to Andrew and we go, oh, there's a sibling rivalry. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, like, it just kind of ends. It just ends. Well, then we hear scary kid laughter and then it ends. Yeah, and then we're like, we're going under the ground and then credits. And yep. then the monsters theme plays. Nah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, Laura, I know you've been doing some uh, research here. Is there anything you need to add about uh, Crybaby Lane? They only really mentioned two scenes that were cut. Uh, one that alluded to skinny dipping. You, we had to get him naked more one naked. more time. Yep. Which, more I'm wondering if that was like the original meaning of Chi-Chi or if like... That would have made no. sense. If they, yeah, that would have made sense. Making it more of like a dare. Okay. And then, like, that's why they awkwardly shoehorned in that, like, like the tall Girl Scout. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, and then apparently in the graveyard there was a shot of, like, an old man's head and a baby's body that was, like, too creepy. And Nickelodeon was like, nah. Hmm. Um, so Nickelodeon and Peter Lauer claimed to be unaware of the controversy. Okay. They claimed to be unaware, that, like, of complaints. And they just said, like, ah, just got forgotten about uh the screenwriter and director peter lauer just kind of thought the movie tanked see and my biggest plot hole with that is like man including a rear damn near anything yeah for years Mm -hmm. for years i watched that stupid movie about mark summers in a haunted museum that turned out to just be magic tricks do you guys remember that one no no here's the thing I also re- I remember at least one Nickelodeon movie that they showed once, and to my knowledge, never showed again because it legit haunted my brain. There's a movie that has Tim Curry, a Nickelodeon film that is all I remember about it is it has Tim Curry, and some children are helped by a mysterious bald giant who has to run through a field of poison. He carries the children with his hands over their mouths and then dies. This is all I remember about this Nickelodeon film. I I think you might be off with it being a Nickelodeon film. Is that Worst Witch, you think? Maybe. Yeah, I I don't know if that's a a Nickelodeon film. Did that have a bald guy that died in a field of poison? Like a radiated field or something? Because I thought maybe it was an episode of... uh, uh, are you afraid, afraid of the of dark? But I don't think they ever got Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. I know they got Gilbert Godfrey's in an episode. <laughs> they of, do uh, have Gilbert. Anyway, I do remember that there are like Nickelodeon movies that like just came and went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I seem to remember a Thanksgiving special where like the turkey rebels and has a knife. So it's like a cooked turkey, mm-hmm. kind of with moves. a knife. And I remember it was the scariest thing I'd ever seen. When yeah, I was there's four years old. There, I mean, there's definitely like Nickelodeon stuff that they aired and then just like it didn't go anywhere. So I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if they just aired this and said, "All right, guess it didn't work out." Uh, and one one thing I think we need to bring up is the multiple references to Stephen King. Yes, definitely. There's a lot of weird Stephen King ref, like random Stephen King yeah. references. Because like the dog jumping up at the window is in the car. clearly Cujo. Cujo, yeah. clearly yeah. Cujo. The train tracks to Stand by Me. Right. 
there's a lot of instances well that car chase where um even though it's not the car that's possessed, the person driving the car is possessed, mm-hmm. which is very much Christine. like Christine. And, and yeah. the, the the specific shots, every like they're like that was I I they're the specific shots when they shows the person possessed, they get that really mm-hmm. specific Christine shot from the movie where it's like shot from slightly under the, under car, the car, and you just get those really yeah. haunting headlights. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. we see that a lot. every time somebody's in a car, you get, yeah. they go for that shot. Also, there's a moment where Carl is ripping up. Uh, Andrew's homework oh, yeah. into strips, which is very Langoliers. Mm. It's that like just the way it's being done in strips. And, and there's the the line about I'm a bad uh, I'm a bad undertaker. I'm better with animals implies that he runs the pet, pet cemetery. cemetery. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, there, there's a lot of like references like that, which is a fifth job, <laughs> a fifth job for this poor man. It's, it's just want to tell kids stories. <laughs> but I work all these jobs. No wonder he's got a charge for coffee and cold cuts. <laughs> I just assume. So, uh, unless you have uh, any other fun facts about this film. Uh, the movie was re-aired uh, in 2011, and the advertising took huge advantage of the creepypasta culture mm-hmm. that sprung up around this film. Because um, there's a lot of mythos now with lost uh with lost media Mm -hmm. especially given the idea that you know you have people who are this was just as the internet was taking its genesis that like everyone kind of remembered this movie of a certain age but couldn't find it anywhere and we're not Mm -hmm. used to being not being able to find anything Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so when the movie was re-aired on what was then the 90s or all that now is the splat uh they made the marketing for it incredibly creepy Okay. Uh, like, we watched it, I think you were in the bathroom, or screaming, I'm not sure. Um, but we watched the trailer, and, like, it was, like, the movie's so scary. Nickelodeon buried it. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. They definitely leaned into what they yeah, did. I, I, I was kind of getting the impression as we were watching this rip that the bit was, it wasn't advertised, and it was kind of airing as a mistake. Because the whole time we watched it, there were bugs at the bottom saying, and now Keenan and Kel. Keenan and Kel is on. <laughs> and when we were looking for it on YouTube, there were a few videos of people like shooting cell phone video of, oh my God, Crybaby Lane is on. Yeah. So it's not like something that was so expected. I, yeah, I thought like it was just people like, I sat down to watch Keenan and Kel and this thing I thought didn't exist is on. So I wasn't sure if, if that's what it was going for, but I mean, you guys saw the commercial. Uh but, but uh, yeah, Mr. Creepypasta, friend of the show, uh, does a whole video on the Creepypasta for Crybaby Lane. And I'll link that below as well, so you can enjoy that. Yes, that that was cool. Like, it's cool that they brought it back. So, it's kind of that interesting I twist on Stay Tuned versus Stay Doomed. Mm. Of, like, this movie, Nickelodeon's full plan was for it to stay doomed. Mm. And then because of this second life it found, because it was doomed... It ended up coming back. Well, what are, what are your verdicts here? Should this have stayed buried, or should it, you know, be be a new staple of Halloween specials? Uh, I think the interesting thing with it is it loses a lot of its mystique mm-hmm. uh, being released, but no one was ever going to stop trying to find it until it was found. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I think that the... Um, like the 
fan cult that's grown around it, the creepypasta and all that, the hype for it, the nostalgia for it is definitely a lot more interesting than the movie itself. And Absolutely. Because uh, mm-hmm. I, I, this is a definite stay doomed for me. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, we talked about this mystique that it had. If it had stayed buried in just a thing that got talked about, that would be very interesting. And also, I think one of the things that added to this mystique is the movie is very confusing. Yeah. Like, if you're 12... If I tried to explain this to somebody as a movie that I saw... Yeah. I would not be able to do it. Especially if you saw it once in your life, and you're trying to remember it ten years later. Like, you'd only have little fragments in your mind of a movie that is so illogical, maybe you did just make it up. So I think that's what really is the appeal to this, is that there was a time where it was like, this might not be a thing. I have memories, but they are they don't make enough sense to me. But then mm-hmm. five years later yeah. online, you hear someone else talk about it, and you're like, oh my god, you saw that too? So mm-hmm. like, I wasn't imagining that. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's a stay doomed, and like, I kind of wish... You know, nothing is, is is mysterious these days because we have so much access to information. It would have been really interesting had this never really resurfaced and yeah. people just talked about it at parties. Speaking of being able to find anything, uh, the movie was Doom Runners. The first, it was actually the first ever original uh, Nickelodeon original film. It involves a group of children in a post-apocalyptic world searching for the last unpolluted place on Earth, New Eden. However, the Doom Troopers, led by Dr. Cow, who is played by Tim Curry, want to get there first and will do anything to stop the children. This movie is much more recent than I thought it was. This is a weird... 1997. I sort of assumed it was going to be like 1986. (laughs) It was originally broadcast on Showtime and then on Nickelodeon. It's pretty funny. The the video... Oh, man. Next fifth Monday. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to do this one again. Uh, so, it's a stay tuned for me. Did anyone want to vote stay tuned for I, this I one? I can't, no. I can't really. I don't want to ever watch that again. I can't really say. I don't want to watch it again, but I kind of, it's added this really fun mystique to the creepypastas that revolve around lost episodes of like, look, one of them was real. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of a fun, like, eh. Who knows? Yeah, Squidward suicides out there. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, <clears throat> I think it was better in theory than it was in practice. Yeah, like when I read about it, I was like, "Oh, this sounds kind of cool and creepy," and then like I, it just kind of didn't. I also want to point out that like I never, there was never a moment where I'm like, "Oh, this is why it's too scary," because there's there's not a monster in it. Like the monster is just someone you know, and I guess like that can be creepy where it's like, "Oh, it could be anybody." But that's the same villain from Animorphs, which is a whole series that Nickelodeon does. Right. So, like, I kind of don't buy the, this is, this got complaints and was too scary. Because, like, I've never been naked in front of a bull. I've never seen that, you know, tractor thing. Yeah. You know, I don't know a creepy mortician, undertaker, taxidermist. Like, there's nothing in here that I was like, this will scar me for life whenever I see that. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't buy that. I don't buy it. No, it was really no scarier than, I mean, it was 
to me, less scary than a lot of episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, there are yeah. many scarier there Doom Runners definitely scarred me way more than I think that movie would have, even as a terminally frightened 12-year-old child. Because, like, yeah. I'm picturing the creepy pool thing from Are You Afraid of the Dark, and that single shot of the thing coming out of the pool, yeah. much scarier than <coughs> yeah. anything in this film. Yeah, the aliens with no face. Like, there's a point where I was talking about it, and then Jen sprung out from the I was going to ask, I was gonna ask if, you mean the, if you mean the one with the boarding school, with, like, the lizards and all that? Uh, no, the red, like, blood-covered John. Um, I was actually real. I specifically was afraid of the pinball episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Where the giant pinball chases the kid mm-hmm. on the escalator. It's all very, it's all, all very terrifying. More yeah, terrifying. More than terrifying this. that this was not that scary. And like you yeah. said, even Animorphs had like a, had darker themes and stuff yeah. to it. Absolutely. And like the thing about the scary, the scary factor in this is is like this you pointed out, Laura. Yeah. Like you pointed out, like the terror, like the thing, the people aren't being like supernaturally scary. Like they're not be, they're just being their worst selves. If they yeah. had sort of pushed that further, and like Carl went from being. I feel like if this were a better produced movie, Carl would have gone from being, like, a bullying jerk to, like, murderous. And you would have seen him, like, murdering, like, going serial killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, attacking animals and trying to kill Andrew. And the girls would have been, instead of, like, playful pranksters, we would have seen them murder. Like, that guy would have died and the girls would have been, like, just running. You would have just seen he them throughout the movie. He wasn't very good at the game. Yeah, you would have just seen them throughout the movie just, like, trashing the town. Yeah. And, like, that would have been scary, because it's like, oh, we can't stop this. Instead, it's just, some people are dicks, and some, <laughs> hill- and some hillbillies blew up a boat. The, yeah. Presumably own boat. they owned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> presumably, like, they might have just already done that, because there was a line of gasoline to the boat, which had been doused in gasoline. I'm not sure they were possessed. <laughs> Good point. Oh, we were possessed, insurance company. Mm-hmm. Evil child got buried wrong. So. <laughs> it's really the Undertaker's fault. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I think we gotta get out of here. Jeff, uh, where can people find you? Is uh, there something going on? That there sure is. I'm, uh, I'm kickstarting a role-playing game called Mission Accomplished. It is a, su- a role-playing game of super spies and office meetings for four to eight players. You can go on to Kickstarter and find that, because there's not really a great way to give you that link without just saying, go there and do that. You can also, links. Find, you can also links. find me on Twitter at Party of One Pod, or go to the Party of One Podcast at partyofonepodcast.com. It's about two-player role-playing games. It's a real good time. It's a real good time. Jen, is there any place we can find you? No, not really. No? Just go to the party of one sites. <laughs> and watch what gets produced. Uh, Laura, we have to leave the spoopy plot. Oh, thank God. Uh, is there anything you want to pay respects to that we didn't dig up that we wanted to find? Um, if anyone has access to Erie, Indiana, not in German, uh, all, yes. all the versions we could find were in... German. Yes, or the weird spin-off second season, which made it debatable if we could do it anyway. So, yeah. Uh, I, I'd like to, to throw out uh, the Crypt Keeper game show. Mm. Yeah. One, I wanted to do that one. Uh, but, uh, you know, didn't have, well, maybe in the game show month, we'll see. And I wanted to can, do uh, Mina and the Count. Can, we, the count, can yeah. we Google something real quick? Sure. To see how many seasons a particular show had if Absolutely. we're talking spoopy? I do this all the time. How many seasons did Mummies Alive have? Oh, uh, way Mummies more. Al- way more than one. I watched yes. it. Yes. Yeah, it Mummies did. Alive we looked for, for and realized it ran too long for us to okay. do. Okay, so it only 
technically had one season. They had 42 episodes. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, b- I believe that there's a similar what issue with... What about Swamp Thing? Ooh, I don't know about, what about the Swamp Thing cartoon. I think there's a similar issue with uh, Mighty Max, which was something was considered, and something that we still might do in another month. We'll wait and see. Is uh, the animated series of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes mm. that was going to be a, a spoopy month That's, thing? What about what about what about Swamp Thing? I have another cartoon that I'll mention off camera <laughs> or off mic. Swamp Thing ran only five. Episodes. Oh, Swamp Ooh, Thing. Swamp Thing might be coming Swamp back. Thing good. You There's, might see. We, we have a month planned that Swamp Thing could fit into. Uh, but now we are moving into November, which is going to be Backdoor Pilot Month. Yep. Uh, so basically, these are pilots that exist within uh, television shows. Uh, and uh, we've we put up a poll that you can vote for on uh, Plus Two Comedy. It might be closed by now. Uh, but uh, for the first month, we're going to do the one that we really wanted to do. So, Laura, what are we doing? Uh, for the first episode, we wanted to stick to a show we were very familiar with. So we are going to be doing The Farm from The Office, mm, yes. which was the uh, intended pilot for a spinoff featuring Dwight Schrute. Yes. So, uh, yeah, that links are, are available for that as well. It's called Netflix. If you want to watch that episode, we'll be doing that next time here on the Stay Doom Show. Uh, if you want to talk to us, how can they contact us, Laura? Uh, you can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. Yes, and if you want to talk to me about how that kid should keep his fandom straight, uh, I'm at TV's Noah on Twitter. And if you want to talk more about lost media and weird late 90s, early 2000s Nickelodeon trivia, I'm Priorities. Until next time, stay doomed.